Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras. And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. Hello, it's the My Favourite Film Podcast. It's me, Gav Smith. That was our new theme tune, which is, of course, by the Craig Whale Collaboration. Their new album, Long Way Home, is available by stream, whatever you want, wherever you like. Links are in the show notes. Please enjoy them. Tonight, I'm joined by Igor and Bright. Nearly got it wrong, but I got it right at the end. There you go. Um, how are you? How's things? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. As I was just saying, a little good, bit good. off there. We've got a bank holiday today, so I've been having <laughs> a nice day off. Um, which you didn't get, Ireland, did you? No, we had a bank holiday last week um, yeah. because obviously we're quite anti-British monarchy. So no, we wouldn't be getting a bank holiday for that. I can't understand <laughs> that at all. But there you go. <laughs> Must be. I just had a day off, so it didn't bother me. <laughs> anyway, um, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do? and all that type of stuff, you know, the general. <laughs> of course. I am Egraine. I am the creator and host of the What A Screen podcast, which is all about horror films. Um, every episode I have a special guest, and together we talk about a completely random subject that I have previously pulled out of the <laughs> hat of um, subjects, and we we each pick a film and then discuss it. Um, I'm also the co-host of Movies, Murder and Mayhem, in which myself and my co-host Ruby chat about the true stories behind some of our favourite and not-so-favourite horror films. Um, I'm also a film critic and a writer. I am a senior contributor at Ghouls Magazine, as well as Moving Pictures Film Club. Um, and I've also contributed to Fangoria, Dread Central, Horrified Magazine, Film in Dublin PDF. Um, and yeah, that, that's basically me. Yeah, which probably explains why the film you've picked tonight is your favourite film is the, <laughs> your favourite film. Because I'm going to try and get around this one, but without saying what it is, I'm going to let you tell us everyone what it is. Everyone will probably guess by now if they've read the title of the podcast, to be honest, but there you go. Um <laughs> This is an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been around since, I can't remember the year now, I'm sure I've got it written down somewhere, 1973. 1973, yeah. Yeah, but it was banned in England for a hell of a long time after its video release. Yeah, same Although, here in Ireland as well. It, it was one of the first video releases ever in the UK. So mm-hmm. it, it's got that special thing about it. Um, what is tonight's film? And can you give us a plot synopsis of it? Uh, tonight's film is the incredible uh, film The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin and um, written by William Peter Blatty. Um, he wrote the screenplay as well as it is adapted from his novel. Um, the synopsis, it centres around a prepubescent girl, Reagan McNeil, and her mother, Chris McNeil, who is a Hollywood actress. Um, she starts exhibiting very strange behaviours and Chris goes through all the standard channels trying to get her uh, her child help. She goes to uh, hypnotists, uh, psychotherapists, doctors they do lots and lots of tests on her and eventually she runs out of options so she decides to ask um a jesuit priest and he then brings on um an exorcist and together they attempt to rid this girl of her demons Mm, with some level of success and some level of failure Mm, yes yes yes. otherwise be a really boring film um (laughs) 
when did you first see this? When when did it first sort of come in your idea of consciousness? And I'm going to watch that because I'm guessing looking at you, you're too young to have been around 1973. I was. I was. <laughs> um, yes. Um, I first saw this, I must have been about 15 or 16. And I, so I'd always been into like gothic literature horror. That was kind of like my into horror. But my parents had banned me from watching horror films because they were like, your imagination is huge. <laughs> like you don't even have to watch a horror film and you're already like terrified of monsters. Yeah. Um. And so when I was about 15, 16, I had this boyfriend whose mother got him into the classics such as like The Thing, Evil Dead yeah. um, and The Exorcist. And he was like, right, we're going to sit down and watch The Exorcist. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, and that was, I remember sitting on his bed and watching this film and just being absolute gobsmacked by it. Like it was like someone had smacked me in the face with a concrete block. That's how <laughs> I would describe my first experience of watching The Exorcist. Yeah. So so you watched it at, well, not at home, but at your boyfriend's home. and Yeah. Yeah. Right. So have you, have you seen it at the cinema since? Have you ever seen it at the cinema? Is it? one you've rewatched in that way or it's a very sore talking point so um <laughs> in 2020 in october of 2020 it was scheduled to be shown in um the lighthouse cinema in dublin and myself and two of my friends who have our little uh, cinema club and we're all massive fans of the exorcist we were so pumped to go see it because obviously we'd been in a bit of a lockdown and yeah, Ireland yeah. just announced that, you know, we were coming out of lockdown and then they decided, no, we were going to go back into lockdown. Ah. So, yes, but I did get in touch with the Lighthouse Cinema this year and was like, it's the 50th anniversary. <laughs> I think you should be playing it. And they were like, don't worry, we're going to be playing it. So fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So hopefully you will get to see it at the cinema. Yeah, and it's in its uncut format, presumably. Yes, we might yes. talk about different formats later on. Would you have chosen to see this if you hadn't sort of been pushed into it? That's what we're going to see. Do you think it would have been something that you'd later on in life would have hit? Or, um, I assume so. It always because it was banned in Ireland until yeah. I think ninety seven, ninety eight. There was this massive like just this buzz about it you know yeah. it was like the scariest film ever yeah. and it was the most controversial film ever so I definitely think I would have like yeah. in my journey I it definitely would have been one of the first ones anyway yeah. um and especially because growing up in Ireland and you know you go to a, a Catholic school and everything's shoved down your throat about Catholicism <laughs> and like I still I'm quite rebellious against the Catholic church but I was very anti-Catholic church um, even when I was a teenager. So I definitely think that I would have watched it anyway, um, yeah. just to kind of see this, you know, this film that despite some thinking that it's quite pro-Catholic, it still upset the Catholic Church. So any yeah. film that's going to upset the Catholic Church, I'm going to watch. <laughs> it's worthwhile watching, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just because you can, yeah. Uh, so you said it hit you like, what did you say? It hit you like a concrete brick yeah. in the face. So. What do you mean by that? I mean, why why was this such a, a big thing for you to, to see? Or what was the thing about it that made it like, I don't know, this massive thing in your life? I think it was just, it was the special effects right, yeah. um, by Dick Smith. Um, I've always been like a real visual person and to see stuff like, you know, a kid's head spin 360 and yeah. levitate and green puke. It was just so visceral in my face. That I was just like, yeah. And especially when you're that age, you just want anything that's disgusting and gory. Yeah, and yeah. And seeing, seeing like a, a, a like a teenage girl puke in the face of the Catholic priest is pretty <laughs> punk rock. Like, 
Oh, and yeah. that's exactly what I was into. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think just the themes of, you know, the devil and God and uh, yeah, it was just, it was something that really struck a chord with me. Mm. Um, and later on, I've kind of come to realize that the dynamics as well, the family dynamics, and especially between Chris McNeil and her daughter really struck a chord with me. Um, kind of looking back on my own relationship with my mother. Yeah. And yeah, it's just one of those films that, like no matter what stage of my life I'm at, I can kind of relate to it in some form right, or other. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that that was pretty much why the green pea soup was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves a bit of green pea soup, right? But not after this film, particularly. Uh, I mean, it's it's got a obviously because it was banned. Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't banned originally. It was given um, an X rating in the UK mm-hmm. at cinema release. Um, I guess it was probably the same in Ireland because your mm-hmm. rating system pretty much the same as the UK as the BBFC would have given. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the equivalent is in Ireland. It's, I assume it's still something similar. I don't know. The Do you know? I, IFC? I think IFC? it is. They'd yeah, probably, possibly. Yeah, they probably give the same rating of that X, yeah. X rating. Um, yeah. But there was loads of stuff. I mean, certainly in America, it was given an R rating, which mm-hmm. is a little bit under what our X was. And at that time, there was people going to cinemas and they're supposedly having mm. miscarriages. There was vomiting. There was fainting, which is what give it this scariest movie of all time badge mm. that it's got. Do you think it's actually deserved? Is it that scary? Or do you I think, think it was just it the is. time? I, you know, okay. So the reactions, I think, was of the time. Mm. Um, it, You know, nothing like that had been seen before, especially <laughs> in mainstream cinemas. Um, it had never been this kind of special effects, this kind of um, themes were never really explored. And especially, you know, up until, say, the 60s, horror was very much either gothic castles or extraterrestrials and, you know, the abuse of science. It was very much not in this house. Whereas then the 70s hit and we had stuff like, uh, well, like the late 60s and, and the 70s, we had stuff like Rosemary's Baby, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it brought the horror into the American home yeah. where people thought they were safe. And so they're seeing this child who is meant to be innocent, naive, um, you know, a good little girl, and she's saying stuff like, your mother sucks cocks in hell. And I think people were so shocked about that because it was like they'd never seen that before. No. Um, in retrospect, looking back, obviously it's not as shocking anymore. No. Um, and even on my first view, and I think I laughed a few times, which yeah. is terrible. I have no soul. <laughs> but there's still things about it that are really scary. And I still know people who are scared of the subliminal images that come up, yeah. terrified of Pazuzu's face. Yeah. And yeah, like I know, you know, grown adults who are like, the exorcist terrifies me. I love it but it terrifies me. And yeah. for a film from 1973, so 50 years ago, to yeah. still have that sort of emotional impact on people is amazing. Like how many other films can you really say that about, apart from perhaps Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah, yeah. or, you know, Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. And I suppose it is of its time because it, you talk about sort of gore and whatever else, but actually there's not that much gore in it as such. No. I mean, gore no. comes from the vomiting scene more than anything else. Mm. It's not like people are getting chopped up a bit. I suppose a bit like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which mm. has got this reputation of, again, being a massively scary film, but actually there's not yeah. that much gore in it. It's all left to your imagination. Most of the yeah. gore happens off screen. Um, do you think it's that leaving things off screen that makes it more scary? 
Yeah, I think there's that. But there is also, like I said, there's a lot of subliminal things in this yeah. movie that people don't realize. So, of course, we've got the the images of Pazuzu that we see a few flashes of. But yeah. if you watch the film really carefully, there's also flashes of the image where you don't even like at one point, Chris is in the kitchen. It's on the the, the hood of the, the cooker. You see yeah. the face flash up. Um, but there's also stuff like subliminal sounds. So like the swarming of bees, the roaring of lions, and they were used to kind of um, cause almost a primordial reaction in people to know that this is danger. You know, if you hear bees, if you hear a lion, that means danger. Um, and so, yeah, it's all those like little things that are filmmakers techniques that you wouldn't realize that are influencing your reactions as an audience. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things, which I guess is something that you do not see. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot like that. I mean, as you say, the, the, Zuzu's face coming up. It's it's like two or three frames now and again, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's a nothing thing that you would probably miss completely if you didn't mm. know it was there. Yeah. Um, so it was banned from mm. 1981 to sorry, 1988 to 1998. So it spent 10 years being banned. And it was actually banned by the BBFC, but William Friedkin agreed with the ban to a certain extent. Um, and recut it for cinemas. Could mm-hmm. still be, it could still be shown in cinemas, and he recut it and changed quite a lot of different things in it. Um, do you think that that banning made it more of a cult thing? Oh god, yeah. You know, yeah. like if you ban something, yeah. it's going to make it more appealing to people, and you know, people are going to go out of their way to try and find it. Um, I guess you know, you could even just look at my own parents trying to had me from watching horror films you're like oh well that didn't work out too well did it um but yeah i think it just it adds to its reputation yeah and you know it's so funny when these people like mary whitehouse were trying to ban yeah. all these films and you're like oh you're doing the exact opposite <laughs> like you're making them more um you know more i guess extreme in people's minds yeah and you know they're just going to have a bigger curiosity about it yeah do you think with a, a, a modern sort of head on it now and the types of horror that we've got now, if you went to a kid and said, you know, this this is the scariest horror film ever seen, do you think they would still think the same thing, that this is, yeah, this is really scary? If you think about our sort of teenagers around now and the type of thing they're exposed to from a point of view of horror. I don't know. I think with the right kind of ch- like kid, yes. Yeah. Um, I think if they were a bit more subtextual with their understanding of the film maybe yeah but (laughs) i hate to like to be horrible about younger generations but you know i think they have different fears whereas our generation were brought up especially in ireland of you know having fear of the catholic church and fear of the devil and you know we have completely different fears because of the society we've grown up in whereas they have completely different fears you know you can kind of see it in um Recently, there was a resurgence in the film uh, Megan is Missing, which yep. at this point is over 10 years old. Yeah. But kids are terrified of it nowadays. And they're like, it's the scariest film ever. And it's because it it kind of touches on their inner fears, I guess, of the internet and yeah. people not being who they are on the internet. Whereas that wasn't a fear for us because we didn't grow up in the internet. Exactly. Yeah, until yeah, we yeah. were like a certain age, we didn't grow up in the internet yeah, generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think it just depends on the kid, but as a whole, no, I don't think they'd think it was. I think they'd think it was janky and outdated and silly. 
but they're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I remember <laughs> I I am a bit older than you, I'm sure. I, I remember then when this came out on video, um, I'll have been about 10 at the time. Mm. Um, so obviously it was talked about probably when I was then at secondary school. So possibly at the same age that you saw it, that, you know, mm. this film exists and it still exists and you could get on VHS. And I saw it on VHS before it was banned. Mm. So I had that thing there that I had seen it and then yeah. it was banned, which made it even more like, well, I want, I want to see it again because yeah. why was it banned? Because yeah. I guess growing up in England as well, the fear of the Catholic Church wasn't the same over here mm. as it is over in Ireland. Um, obviously, we were all, at my age, were given some sort of religious education at school. Mm-hmm. You know, we sang hymns and whatever else in school. So there was that understanding of it. But yeah. I think the first viewing of it I had, I wasn't particularly scared by it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those films that was really interesting. It was a very curious film. There was some, and I'd probably the same as you laughed at it, certainly the bombing mm. scene is it's fairly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> do you, so do you think that the way that you brought up would change your perception of it massively? You know, you grow up in Ireland with this Catholic background. Do you think anyone growing up with a Catholic background is going to be more scared of it than someone growing up without that religion within their life? Possibly. Um, I do think it is a, a factor, yeah. um, especially when you've had fire and brimstone kind of, <laughs> you know, driven. Like I will say my parents weren't religious, so it it never came from the home. It was just outside the home, like in school and out of society. So perhaps I didn't get it as bad. But, yeah, I do think it's it's a factor when, you know, they used to say that the devil was in the very celluloid that this film yes. was on. It was yeah. almost like a cursed film. Um, It had this reputation. Um, And so, yeah, I do think that if someone is a staunch believer of the devil and God, then, of course, it's going to have more of a reaction with them. But, like, I also know people who didn't have that upbringing are very firm atheists, and they still find it quite a terrifying film. And I Mm. guess, you know, on, on the first level, it is about religion. Yeah. But it's also about parental fears of you have this child and one day they're lovely and innocent and mummy's little sweetheart. And then the next day they are a raging teenager and you cannot control them no matter what you do. Um, And yeah, it's that it's that parental fear as well um, that I guess people find quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly watching this since having children, because I think, Mm. you know, I have now watched it since having children and seeing a young girl in that type of way, it, you know, it's it's almost reminiscent of, of going into teenage years more than anything mm. else, apart from the, the being possessed element of it. Yeah. So do you think there's more of a, I don't know, a, a parallel to teenage blossoming of, of women going into teenage years than there is of this possession thing? Or do you think that comes into it at all? Yeah, I do think, I mean, a lot of the big possession films, they're all... Yeah women or yeah. you know teenage girls prepubescent girls a lot of them especially the bigger ones um even stuff like jennifer's body is yeah. although it hasn't got that same religious overtones it's still about a teenage girl and yes it's very much um this metaphor for changing bodies and changing um morality and becoming your own person and kind of going against your parents and yeah 
you know, becoming this little monster, even though really you're just going through basic teenagerhood that's no different to anything else. But because it's because you are trying to find your own personhood and you do rebel against your parents because it's a completely natural thing for teenagers to do. Um, you are demonized yeah. and, you know, seen as uncontrollable and let's get the priests around and, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's a very good analogy for uh, a teenagerhood. <laughs> Teacher. That's probably the best word for it, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of a good word for it and I couldn't. <laughs> um, let's start then. So there are a few um, slightly con- controversial scenes throughout the film, um, let's say. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll kind of go through the ones that I suppose uh, are the ones that everyone talks about. I mean, the mm-hmm. one that everyone mainly talks about is the masturbation scene, mm-hmm. um, where Reagan violently masturbates herself with that. Was one of the scenes I laughed at yes. when I first saw it. So, yeah, and I remember my boyfriend at the time turned around to me and was like, What is wrong with you? And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I laugh when I'm shocked. <laughs> well, that's the thing that that scene is just. It's pure shock factor. It's not even because mm. it, it it was cut when it was eventually re released on DVD on DVD. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. That scene wasn't in the original re release. It was then mm-hmm. put back in later on. They keep different versions. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? Does it? I mean, go through all the controversial scenes. There's lots, and there's the desecration of the Virgin Mary, which isn't really that. It, you know, it's just covered in gore and blood. Yeah. Um, the your mother sucks cocks in hell, which you already mentioned, which was mm-hmm. redubbed as your mother still rots in hell. I think for a lot of the different versions. Uh, yep. And then the the spider walk, which everyone mm-hmm. talks about as being incredibly scary, but actually it's not that scary. She seems just walking on her hands the wrong way around. But what do you think of these controversial scenes that are supposedly the elements that make it the scariest film? because they're the ones that everyone talks about. Hmm. I guess, um, like if we start with the desecration of the Virgin Mary, it's in a church and everyone thinks the church is untouchable and it's sacred. You know, demons aren't meant to cross into uh, consecrated ground. Yeah. And this is just showing how powerful the demon is. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, fuck your church. Like, you know, (laughs) look what I can do. Um, The masturbation scene. See, I always saw The Exorcist as a range of, sins from the catholic church so in catholicism well here in ireland anyway yeah divorce was illegal up until i want to say the late 80s divorce was illegal right um because it was a sin in the catholic church mm. and you know chris mcneil was a divorced mother um masturbation was is very frowned upon in the catholic church and we have yep. masturbation with a cross yep. um suicide was a sin uh, is a sin and it was illegal here in Ireland as well up until I want to say the 90s um, and we have a priest throwing himself out the window so you yeah, know, yeah. we've got a, a priest committing suicide yep. um, or sorry uh, like take, carrying out suicide there you go that's the right terminology yep. um, and so this with like the masturbation scene it was all like an example of all the catholic sins <laughs> and the devil being like or the demon anyway being like look what i can do yeah. um you know screw your catholicism i'm i'm making this about every <laughs> single sin you could ever think about um the spider walk that is my favorite scene all right okay um again it was in the it was in the extended version because it yeah. gotten cut yeah. But it's it's my favorite scene because 
in the book, which I have read millions of times, that is the scariest part of the book. It's described so well and it's so just scary. I remember reading that bit and I had to put it down afterwards and I was like, right, well, that's me sleeping with the lights on for two weeks. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I really, I I think it's my favorite scene because I relate it back to that bit in the book. Um, Right. Yeah, it's just weird seeing this girl walk backwards. And then as I got older, I was like, how can I emulate that? Can I walk backwards? Um, Which I have done a few times for performances. (laughs) I used to be a performer. Um, But yeah, I, you know, like they say they're controversial. And I guess they are when you look at it from a Catholic perspective. But like looking at it from a modern take, like I've seen so many worse things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you know it's it's they're kind of quite um watered down yes at, at this point um, yeah, I mean, but I yeah think, I, I can see at the time though why they were massively controversial yeah i mean i think that they're they're more than anything they're controversial because they're the ones that were purposely cut mm. after it was banned from video so that mm-hmm. if you were getting even if you were seeing it at the cinema they wouldn't be in the cinema release mm-hmm. and it was the director that made those cuts as well so it's yeah. kind of like i mean this part of me thinks that he was a very, very bright man. He knew exactly what he was doing, that if I can make these scenes, which actually add nothing much to the film, mm-hmm. make it really controversial, I'm going to cut these scenes and make it look like they shouldn't be there mm-hmm. to make people want to see it again. And eventually when it could come out on DVD, you could get it re-released and re-put back together and whatever else. Um, mm. Do you think there's anything in that, that you know, this was just a money-making scheme to... <laughs> I mean, possibly, but I think, I don't think William Friedkin would have thought that way. I mean, I know a lot of it is, so there was these scenes, but there was, uh, there was a scene he also cut where um, uh, the two priests, um, Sidow and Karras are sitting on the stairs kind of midway through the exorcism and they're having a chat. And basically Karras is like, why is this happening? Like, why this little girl? Um, And that whole scene was cut. And apparently Friedkin and William Peter Blatty, the screenwriter and author of the book, um, fell out over it because to Blatty, it was one of the most important scenes. It was like an explanation as to what was going on. Um, Whereas I think Blatty was, uh, sorry, Friedkin was more worried about time and he didn't really see it as an important part but right. when, so when he went back and released the extended version, he actually, I think he apologized to, to Blatty and was like, oh no, I understand now. Yeah. Because like he was, he was known as a hothead. Right. Um, I think, you know, conditions on set kind of back that up as well. So yeah, I know there was a lot of um, turbulence between the two right. about what should be cut and what shouldn't be cut. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, it's that time. Going to quick ad break. So. If you want to get in touch with here at the podcast, it's my favorite film podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's my favorite film. Instagram, my favorite film podcast. Facebook, search up my favorite film. We'll find you there. Um, and if none of those make any sense, go to the website, myfavoritefilm.com, and everything is on there. Remember as well, the theme tune is by the Craig Will Collaboration, and their album, Long Journey Home, is available everywhere where you can get music. It's really good. Do download it. Igrin, is there anything you want to sell at this point? Because, you know, you may as well. May as well. Um, so you can find the World of Screen podcast as well as uh, the podcast Movies, Murder and Mayhem on Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere really you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find me on Twitter at what underscore scream. Um, there you can kind of keep up with my writing with the various outlets I write for. Um, I'm currently doing a video series with Moving Pictures Film Club about 80 horrors. 80 horrors? 80. Wait, hang on. 80 <laughs> horrors. What is it called? Around the world in 80 horror All films. Right. There we go. I got it. <laughs> I knew it was a play on words for something um, where I am looking at 80 different horror films from 80 different countries. Ah, see, I wouldn't have got that from the title at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of self-explanatory <laughs> really, isn't it? <laughs> um, excellent. I'll, I'll look forward to, to reading about that. That sounds quite good. Um, okay. So we've looked at the film from a point of view of your initial impressions of it, different mm-hmm. things like that. Let's get into a bit more. Who, have you got a favourite character in the film? And why are they your favourite? Uh, my favourite is obviously the possessed Reagan. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I love it. Um, between Reagan and the actual demon Pazuzu. See, I'm I'm really bad. I always root for the demons in possession. Possession is like my favourite subgenre of horror. Okay. Um, and I always root for the demons. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you take them over. You fuck shit up. Um, and <laughs> so I really love Pazuzu. And um, you know, as Reagan McNeil or whatever, because yeah. basically they're they're um, a Mesopotamian demon like we see in the opening scenes yeah. and they've gone to, for some reason they've gone to America. Um, Cause why not? Why? I don't know. Um, and they have decided to infiltrate the Catholic faith and say, yeah, sure. I'm the devil, whatever you want me to be, baby. Um, yeah. yeah. I just think, yeah, I just think they're great. They're so cheeky and they're so like, you know, people believe that the the Catholics win in the end, but I really don't think so. I mean, Pazuzu causes a priest to to fly out a window. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm yeah, I'm all about the demons. <laughs> so this is probably going to be the same answer. Then I was going to say, is there someone that gives a a really good performance as an actor in this? And I guess you would say it's Linda Blair, aren't you? Because yeah, yeah, Linda Blair. I think she, for such a young actress, she did yeah. such, especially in the beginning scenes where she is kind of newly possessed um, yeah. and it's it's not full-on demon makeup and pea green soup, but she's given a very quiet, subtle performance Yeah. Um, as we can see her becoming more and more disturbed. So between her as well as, um, what was her name? Um, Eileen Dietz, who did like the face of Pazuzu. Yes. As well as uh, she, I think she was also Linda Blair's kind of body double when she yep. was doing the more horrific things like yes. the, the masturbation. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a face that is burned into the memories of a lot of people and that yeah. performance as well. And I think for that performance to kind of live on. Um, and I think she was... Um, was she the one that was, I think she was uh, up for an Oscar for that as well? I think possibly. I think. No, Linda, sorry. Linda Blair was the one who got the nod, the Oscar yes. nod, but she was the one that really, yeah. I, I think most, too confused. most people forget or don't realize that there are more mm. than just one actress involved in being. Yes. Reagan, that, that it's, yeah. it's, well, Linda Blair's that, the main character there and that, that's it. That's who plays her. But actually there's, there were several other two others yeah. involved, yeah. Um, yes. What about the other supporting characters? Is there anyone in particular that sort of stands out? I mean, 
Um, yeah, I, I'd i go with uh, Jason Miller, who is uh, Father Damien Carras. He, yeah. he himself was suffering from a lot of, um, he was an alcoholic at the time, and yeah. he was suffering from a lot of his own personal demons. And you can kind of see that come across in his performance as Damien. He's not one of these priests that are like, you know, in your face about his religion. He also is um, a psychologist. Yeah. And it's just, again, it's this really, it's it's tortured because of what he goes through with his mother. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's almost an endearing uh, performance. Yeah. And I wouldn't really say that about someone playing a priest, but <laughs> yeah, he, he's very, he's very likable despite his, his flaws. Yeah. It, it, it does feel less like a priest mm. i suppose though as well um yeah. he doesn't feel like he's really wants to be there as a priest he's just yeah there to help out one of those yeah. yeah yeah you've said your favorite scenes the spider walk scene yeah um and you said it was because of the way, way it's described in the book what is it about mm. the way it's described in the book that makes this such a good scene then because i was i must be having seen the film several times and the spider walk scene I, I never really thought it was that wonderful, but maybe mm. that was just me watching it thinking, well, it's just she's just walking down the stairs backwards on her hands, <laughs> which is fairly impressive, <laughs> but it's not scary. Did you imagine if you were standing there having a chat with your mate and then all of a sudden your kid's fucking walking down backwards with this horrible <laughs> grin on their face? You'd be like, get that kid out of this house straight away. Um, <laughs> no, in Possibly, the book, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Think about being a parent now. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. if you've ever if you've ever woken up and your kid's staring, you know, at the side yes. of your bed, you're like, oh, I nearly drop kicked you. Um, <laughs> get away from me. Um, yeah, in the book, it's just it's this scene where Chris and her assistant are talking, and Chris is looking um towards her assistant, and she can kind of see the shadow of her child doing this spider walk down the stairs. Mm. And then all of a sudden her child's face comes out from like underneath her assistant's legs and it's just the thought of that is so creepy and so like like no it for some reason it's really stuck with me like imagine seeing that well yeah i suppose uh, (laughs) you you have to think about put yourself in that situation rather than Mm. watching because i i always think it looks just a little bit clunky on on screen yeah that it doesn't look quite real enough to go yeah, okay, that that's really happened, but I yeah, don't know, maybe it's. Just... I think I I think it's the uncanniness of it. Yes, like yeah. you know, why why would a child be bent over backwards and crawling down the stairs like that? It's just well, yeah, yeah. Ugh. Maybe it was just. The, I mean, certainly the first time I saw it, I would have been young and probably found it just really mm. amusing that that happened. And maybe I've never <laughs> been able to get that out of my head that it was just an amusing scene where she walked. Yeah, down. even seen it as an adult with children, it still found yeah. it. Slightly amusing more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. <laughs> um, have you got any other favourite scenes? Are there any other scenes that sort of stick in your mind? So it's, it's got loads, hasn't it? Let's be honest. So there's this scene in it, and I like it because it has a backstory to it, and it has right. a bit of a, a point of um, what's the word controversy about it. Mm. So it's the scene where Reagan is in the hospital, and they are doing like an angiogram. I can't remember the, the proper term of it. And one of the assistants in this scene, one of the, the medical assistants was a real medical. These are all proper medical people because they employed them to do this scene. So it would look as real as possible. Right, okay. 
So one of the guys in the background um, is rumored to be a serial killer. So um, he murdered one guy uh, in New York City and he was arrested for that. And at the time of this murder, there were lots of black bin bags containing uh, body parts of men turning up in the Hudson River. And he is rumored to be the serial killer. So anytime I see that scene, I'm like, it's him. He's the serial killer. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I I didn't realize it was actually that scene that it was in. And I'd heard the stories of there was a serial killer on set and all that, because that was mm-hmm. all part of the, I guess, the mythology and the thing that made this the controversial film that is that that's going on in the background that, mm. you know, there was a serial killer on set as well and all this type of thing. So, so it was that scene there. So yeah. they were all actual medical staff. Was he one of the medical staff? And so yeah. he was. Yeah, he was a medical. So Friedkin had gone into this hospital to kind of get, um, get some advice about how to make it look as real as possible. And the doctor that he went to apparently was very charismatic and he yeah. was like, you know what? You'll be perfect. So he, yeah, he got this doctor <laughs> and his assistants to do that scene in in the uh, in the film. Wow, impressive. Yeah. Um there's a bit at the start of the film that I must admit I always forget is there. And it goes on for quite a long time, the bit at the start where we're mm-hmm. we're nowhere near America and we're talking about the demon stuff. What do you do you think that adds to the whole idea of the story? And is it necessary? Do we need that long introduction at the start? Uh, do you mean the the bit in Iraq? Yeah, where... yeah. Uh... I always feel it's it's kind of it, it feels like it's bolted on later. For me. Yeah, I mean, you could do without it. I'm not yeah. going to deny that, but I think it's this setup for um, um, Marin. Yeah. To it's you know it's the beginning of his battle with this demon yeah and you know it's the the film's named after him it's called the exorcist it's yeah. it is about yeah, yeah, Marin. Yeah. it's his story um yeah. yeah and so i think it kind of has to be like well this is how it came to be it wasn't like it just popped up out of thin air and you know the demon came to america to battle him i guess because he was the unfortunate archaeologist that dug up the pazuzu icon <laughs> Bit of a weird grudge to have against someone, well, but sure. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Reagan just happened to be the collateral damage. Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. So you, you feel it is justified to be there and... Yes, it, it's it just, it is, it, it is a strange one because yeah. Pazuzu was a, it is a demon. Yeah. However, it was a god of protection of women and children. Um, and so it's quite a strange demon to choose as uh, a Marin's kind of foe. But sure, look, listen, I doubt many people have gone into the, the demonology and the history of Pazuzu. No, probably um, not. So, yeah. Probably not. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. It's just I always forget that it's it, – I mm. forget it's there. Every time I rewatch it, oh, yeah, yeah there's this bit. Yeah. And because I always forget between viewings, I think, well, I'm getting nothing from that first bit then mm. because I always forget it's there. And every time it's on, every time I put it on, I think, oh, yeah, there's this bit in Iraq at the start and they did all this stuff in the desert. And yeah, but it's it's just that that thought in my head that why, it's, why is it there? If I never remember it, mm. it mustn't be meaning much. I wonder if there's many people out there that feel the same as me. 
Yeah, I'd say I'd say so. It is like thinking about it, it is quite a weird setup. I understand the setup. Yeah. But yeah, it it is a bit strange. But you know, you I got some sometimes I think is it um an analogy for um incoming foreign evils, which of course was a big thing and still is in America. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of representative that, you know in inverted commas foreigners are coming to take over our children yeah. um so i wonder was that it or am i reading far too much into that it's possible isn't it yeah mm. that that kind of makes some sort of sense um okay then because it, it fits in nicely i suppose um sequels because, of course, one of the sequels is Exodus the Beginning, which takes us back to that same point. Um, what do you think of the many sequels? Because what is it four sequels it's had? I think it's it's had, yeah, it's had three. There's three Exorcists, and then we've got the prequel, yeah. which there are two versions of. There's uh, Exorcist Dominion and Exorcist The Beginning. Yeah. And they're pretty much the same film. Yeah. But they didn't like the first director, so they got another director in to do some scenes the same, but oh, I don't know. It's, it's a mess, and you can tell that from watching it. Um, the second one, Exorcist 2, is awful. Uh, do not touch it. Do not go near it with a barge pole. It is the worst thing ever. Yeah. Exorcist 3 um, is is a really good film. It has one of the greatest jump scares in it that yeah. no matter how many times I've watched it, it still gets me every time. Um, is it a good Exorcist sequel? No. Um, <laughs> but sure, look, they had to lump it on there somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good standalone film. I don't think it's a great you know, Exorcist sequel, but sure, look. <laughs> I mean, most most sequels are fairly mm. dire and they just don't work. Um, I was going to talk about remakes, but they have announced that they're not doing a remake mm. of it. They're doing a the same as the Halloween. They're doing yeah. an ex, the Exorcist twenty twenty three, yeah. which is mm. supposedly direct sequel to the nineteen seventy three film. Yeah, bringing back some of the cast. Um, yeah. uh, how do you feel about this? Let's scrap the, all the four f- sequels you've just talked about, and we're going to have a proper sequel, which is a direct sequel to it, 50 years mm. later. How, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I So it's being directed by David Gordon Green, who did the Halloween uh, yeah. films, the most recent Halloween films. Yeah. It is going to be called The Exorcist Believer, which sounds awful from the get-go. Yeah. Um, it sounds like an 80s hair metal album. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> um, I'm very nervous because this film is my baby. Like, this is my favourite film of all time. Um, I just don't... I'm very worried. <laughs> I don't think it needs anything. Like, obviously, there was the Exorcist TV show that ran for two seasons before it got yep. cancelled, which carried on the story of Reagan and Chris McNeil. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether that's going to come into play because... Um, like, like it's no like. Why is it needed? It's not needed. Yeah. Like where, whereas like the Evil Dead, that has a lot of universe building to it. Yes. That yes. hasn't been explored yet and is now being explored. Absolutely, yeah. But what, what like the Exorcist just doesn't need it. No. You know, I'm go- I'm gonna keep an open mind because I of course will be seeing it opening night. 
But <laughs> I just, I don't, to give a bit of a pun, I don't have a lot of faith in it. <laughs> Fair enough. Would yeah. you have preferred a remake then? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would have hunted that person down and killed them personally and gone to jail for it. No, this is one of those films that just does not need a remake. Like it just, no. I mean, like there are remakes in the world like The Thing that were better than the original. I think with stuff like The Exorcist, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, you know, I know there has been a remake of Rosemary's Baby, but as well as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I just don't think you can touch the originals. And I think The Exorcist is just... I mean, it's pretty much perfect. Like, why would you want to remake that? But yeah, I suppose, I suppose and with the amount of controversy that surrounded it on release, mm. release at the cinema and then with video release and everything else yeah. that's gone on, it does seem yeah. that if you were to remake it, you kind of go and, well, we're trying to create the same buzz, but yeah. it's impossible to make that buzz in the world mm. we're living in now. And Yeah, actually, and I think... Like, you know, when you talk about reboots and remakes, you're like, right, well, we're going to bring them into like the modern era and all this kind of stuff. But like, there's been so many possession films that are basically knockoffs of The Exorcist that have been brought into the modern era. So what's the point? Like, you could kind of see like, obviously, when Hellraiser was rebooted last year or the year before. Yeah. That they did bring it into a modern era and took a different spin on it. And you were kind of like, yes, that makes sense because there hasn't been a film emulating well i'm sure there has but like emulating hellraiser and so it 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 would be good to reboot it for the next generation while still harking back to the original whereas i think there's been so many so many copies of the exorcist yeah yeah Um, yeah. it's basically the the backbone the dna of every possession film ever and you don't yeah that you don't need to bring it into the modern era or for a new audience because there's already films doing that could you flip it though and make it a young boy that's possessed? Does that then work? Because that's one I, thing you very rarely see a, a young yeah. boy being possessed. I mean, there there is a few films. I think the Pope. I haven't seen it yet, but I think the Pope's Exorcist did a, a boy. Is it a boy possession? I think right. so. Um, but I so I, I wrote an article for a magazine that's coming out in October about this very subject about why it's more females than it is boys. And I think there is this whole thing where people expect boys to be rebellious and they expect them to misbehave. And of course we've got that awful adage that is like boys will be boys. So it's not as shocking when a boy behaves in this way because it's almost expected of them, which, you know, of course that's, that's very bad for, for men and boys as, as well as it is for females. So like, I just, no, I don't think it would have the same, same reach as The Exorcist did, and I don't think gender flipping it would really do anything just again because th- th- there's already movies that do gender flip it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking from the same point of view as you know, Hellraiser kind of did a bit of <laughs> yeah. that. So, yeah. Um, now, of course, in my eyes, there is only one true sequel to The Exorcist, mm-hmm. which is the wonderful Repossessed from 1990. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? Do you I know haven't, what I'm no. no. You've never seen Repossessed. I have seen so many possession films. Like, I could have seen it and just been so, like, repossessed, possession, blah, 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 blah. Repossessed gets Linda Blair back as Regan. Oh, as a Leslie Nielsen. And film. Leslie Nielsen as the. No, the see, I'm not a fan of comedies. So I wouldn't, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wouldn't okay. have watched it. <laughs> you, sh- you should watch it. It's, it's really funny. It parodies the extras brilliantly and makes okay. it 
possibly one of the reasons why I'm not scared of The Exorcist is because that I've seen this as well. Yeah. And it's really just wrecks everything that The Exorcist tries to that's scary, to be honest. But there you go. Okay. I'll, I'll put it out there for anybody else out there in the big world <laughs> to have a look because it is worthwhile seeing. There you go. Okay. Um, is there anything we've missed? Is there anything else you want to talk about on this? Is there anything you think, oh, do you know what? Why haven't you talked about this? Or No, I think I think we've been pretty extensive with our... Uh... It's with with our chat about it. It's been fairly quick, but yeah, we've we've got we've got through it because you know it's it's one film. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's a brilliant yeah. film, and there's a lot going for it. And I think mm. if anyone hasn't seen it, it's one of those films that is always worthwhile watching. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think you know if people are really interested in it, there is obviously that whole thing about it being a cursed set. Yes, um, there's a documentary on Shudder that kind of has a look at it. But like I always laugh about those whole like cursed sets anyway yeah. because. You know, there was, you know, I think I think it was um Damien Carras, the actor, his son got hit by a car and then someone else had a heart attack. And of course, Linda Blair had a back broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was all these things, but a lot of it was just um uh Friedkin being a bit of an arsehole on set. And obviously when you've got that many people, there's gonna be tragedies and yeah. you know, life is life. So yeah, yeah but th- there is an interesting documentary called Cursed Films on Shudder, if anyone would like to. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot about it, the, the fact there was cursed set, and then the addition mm. of there's a serial killer on set and whatever yeah. else. But sure, you know, like I'm sure if you threw a stone in America, you'd hit a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> it would appear so. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot about there, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Um, I think this is the toughest bit of the podcast, but lots of people have told me it's not tough at all. Okay. Can you sell the film to me in about thirty seconds? Okay, I'll try. Um, <laughs> so it is uh, one of the greatest horror films ever that has become the blueprint for possession, religious horror. And it also features the amazing practical effects of Dick Smith. And it's just a classic story about good versus evil that contains some pea soup. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to watch it? <laughs> Excellent. I think that works, yeah. <laughs> Must admit, we haven't really mentioned the pea soup. You mentioned the pea soup, but only in the point of view of it gets vomited onto a priest. That I mean, that yeah. scene of the twisting of the head, the yeah. pea soup vomit everywhere across the set. It was, is it scary, or is it just one of the most ludicrous and silly scenes that's ever been put on celluloid? Oh, I think it's both. It is both. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Anyone who's ever had a child knows that their vomit is a variety of colours. And yes. it's the scariest thing to see as an and, adult. You're like, oh, dear God, <laughs> that's yeah. disgusting. And, and can come projectile in such the, the, right? exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how far they can get it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um. I think we've we've pretty much covered the film. I think. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Maybe we haven't. Um, if anyone out there thinks we haven't covered it, please send us questions, <laughs> and I'd be more than happy to answer them on a later date. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, uh, do you want to quickly just tell everybody where you are out there again? Just yeah, no, may as well stick it on the end there. Where can yeah, we find sure. You? On on Twitter at what underscore scream on Instagram what a scream, and then you can listen to the podcast anywhere if you listen to podcasts. Fantastic! I'm sure everybody will. Um, that then is it for this week. So 
Bye-bye for now. I thought you were supposed to be an expert. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. Now, if you've seen as many psychotics as I have, you'd realize that's the same thing as saying you're Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs>